he's coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on KLWN. We've got a full show today with all sorts of guests. Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, will join us at 340 we have a KU mailbag coming up at 4.05. Clark Cummings of FanJolt, Dan Beckler of Mass Strategies will join us at 4.40. And then at 5 o'clock, we're going to be joined by Michael Swain of Fog.net. So uh, really full show today. And then after the show, we head over to High School Sports Weekly at Burgers by Biggs. Tomorrow, we have high school football. Saturday, the KU football game. And you're not going to want to miss the the uh, KU tailgating show. Nick is going to be with Scott out of Big Mill on Saturday before the game. Uh, noon to 1 is when you can hear the show on KLWN. Kiss Crew is going to be there noon to 2, though. With We have some home field apparel shirts, which are going to be on the prize wheel, so you just got to get lucky and hope you spin to win. We're going to have KU football tickets. We have other KU t-shirts as well. Jayhawks love football 2 t-shirts. They're cool. You should check them out. We have some Kiss and KLWN ones. We have some koozies, all sorts of swags. So you're not going to want to miss out. On that, the wait is over. Kansas DraftKings Sportsbook is here, and the NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. How about this? Uh, Chris Falica, who is also known as the Bear. You see him on College Game Day. He's part of the big broadcast for uh, uh, with you know Kirk Herbstreet and, and Chris Fowler really good like stats researcher and stuff he tweeted this out today under matt campbell iowa state has been involved in 18 games in which the spread was within either them giving up three and a half or getting three and a half so kind of within that spread that's obviously the case here in this one the line is down to iowa state minus three or ku plus three on DraftKings. iowa state is just five and 13 in those 18 games and kansas mm. has covered Seven That's right. games in a row, I think. Which that does sure. scare me a little bit. It's like, ah, oh, you're due to not cover eventually. But <laughs> we keep talking about how the books, um, ha- they, are still they haven't figured them out. Yes. Yeah, they're still struggling to adjust to what exactly Kansas, Kansas is. Which, speaking of which, I was scrolling through the DraftKings lines earlier today. Okay. And I scrolled past all the games this weekend. Okay. And I popped up and it was like, oh, here's some lines available for October 8th. So the following week. That's when KU plays TCU. I don't know. Did you see what the line is? I, I didn't. I'm very. So you have no idea. You're I'm in very the dark. curious. I'm, I'm in the dark. On this. I'll just say this: I hammered KU at the spread because I don't think they're being properly respected was, with was that TCU line. Was TCU favored? Yes, they were. Oh my! Would you like to know how many points KU is getting, Nick? Okay, Iowa State's better than TCU. Yes, I agree. <laughs> you would think. Yeah. So why? I I have to assume they're getting more than three and a half. They are getting five and a half points. Do with wow. that information what you will. That's insane. Because anybody, I think, who pays attention to the Big 12 would probably assume that Iowa State's better than TCU. Yes. So that doesn't make any sense. 
Yeah, TCU this week plays. Oh no, TCU's on a bye this week, so maybe that's why they think that off the bye, like that's going to change everything. But I didn't realize thing. TCU had Andy Reid off a of bye. I know. I would. I. I'm just saying, hammer that right now because if KU beats Iowa State, KU is probably favored yes. in that game, or it's going to be like a pick 'em. It's going to change significantly. If KU is close in the game against Iowa State, the line might move down, and even if. The line opens at five and a half. It's probably going to move down. So I would get on that number now. TCU, they beat Colorado, the worst yes. Power 5 team like in America. By far. They beat SMU, barely. And I don't even know who else they beat. They beat an FCS school, I think, was their other win. And that's their three wins. No, they beat a – oh, no, you said SMU. Yeah, it's uh, F- SMU, Colorado, Colorado, Tarleton State. Yeah. Tarleton State. The uh, Purple Poo or whatever it was. What? Um, what? <laughs> they have this uh, – this, thing because KU played Tarleton State in basketball last year. This is why I know this. Okay. They have this like it's this group of like diehard Tarleton State fans. They're called like the Purple Poo. That doesn't make any sense. Because <laughs> well, their mascot is like the Texas yeah. Bank. Yeah, it's like the it's like the I don't know, this group of fans are like I don't know. It's weird. Dude, oh, there's a is, whole story. That too. is weird. Anyway though, uh yeah, KU plus five and a half against TCU. There's an early line on that on DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code KLWN to get two hundred dollars in free bets if your team wins when you place a five dollar bet on any football game. That's code KLWN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Gambling problem? Getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700. 21 and older are physically present in Kansas. Deposit restrictions apply. Bonus issued as is free bets, one boost per eligible team. What, per eligible game, 10-plus leg required for 100% boost, opt-in required, parlay and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. All right, speaking of purple poo, I have <laughs> okay. a bone to pick with you, Derek. Okay, I'm a, I have a bone to pick. curious where this is going. You did not tell me how mm-hmm. awesome the Barney documentary actually is, <laughs> okay? You did a terrible job of explaining. Uh-huh. It's, like, totally cool. It's, like, about yeah, violence and, yeah. like, how, like, it's called I love you, you hate me. Mm-hmm. Like, dude. The dark I said side I would of Barney. exactly. You did not tell me that. I'm I said I would not watch it. I'm totally watching it now. Are you kidding me? Oh my gosh, that's the huge news for today. Is that Derek just blatantly lied to me? Mm, I'm sorry. I I, so, I should have told the whole story there. Yeah, I had no idea. I just kept it very vague. It was no, you did. The Barney I was like, documentary. I was like, why yeah. am I gonna, why am I gonna watch a Barney documentary? Well, dude, if there's violence <laughs> and you know, yeah, the, all that the, other stuff, sign me up. The teaser, like the trailer for it, is unbelievable. It's like <laughs> I love you, you love, and then all of a sudden it just turns dark, and the whole thing is they, like they've got like drugs, pictures, alcohol, they've got, they've got like pictures of people trying to stab like yeah. fake Barneys. I'm like, dude, it's dark man, sign me up, man. I'm there. All right, uh, on today's show, to open things up, we are going to repick the KU football schedule. Nick was more optimistic than I was in the uh, non or in the preseason, and it's paid off so far. Nick had him going 6-6. Six and six, I was optimistic enough, in the yeah. wrong way. Yeah, you didn't have him beating West Virginia. West Virginia or Houston. Yeah, and you still had him going 6-6, six and six, which yep. I guess, I don't know, <laughs> does that mean they're going 8-4? and four? Who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe. I think I had them at 3-9. and nine. I, I said the second most likely was going 4-8, and eight, but... Um, I want to repick. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to be off. I I've accepted that, and uh, you know, I'm. I'm glad it's happened. Like it's it's made it so much more fun over the course of this yes. season and, yes. and talking about it's everything. Been the greatest like month of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Except for the Chiefs. <laughs> well, I hate, you, I hate the Chiefs. I just you know, take your wins where you can get them. Um, so let's repick the schedule now that we know the four zero. Now that they're into conference play, I know they already played a conference game, but now it's like fully into conference play. The West Virginia game was dipping your toe in the water. This is doing a yep. cannonball into it with the rest yep. of the season. So let's start with these next two home games: Iowa State 
and TCU. What do you think KU goes in these next two games? Well, if I remember correctly, I picked them to win both of these games. Yes. And I have no reason to pick otherwise. Iowa State, which we'll get more into it tomorrow when we actually preview the game, but Iowa State's defense has really good numbers, but they haven't played anybody up until Baylor. And the Baylor game, Baylor was pretty much in control. It was 31-14 in the fourth quarter. Like, they pretty much had that game in control. And so I think for KU, with their offense, assuming they're going to continue to play to the level that we've seen them play, which now you've got you've got a quarter or you've got more than a quarter of the season of evidence to suggest that this is this offense is legit. So I'm going to pick them to beat Iowa State. And then, as we just discussed, I think we both agree TCU is, is worse than Iowa State probably, as a team. They still have questions at quarterback. Their defense is, TCU's defense is horrible. And I think KU will win that in a shootout. So my picks don't change for these two games. I think KU's going to win both of these. And I guess by that logic, they're going to be 6-0 and and be in a bowl. So I just, I, I kind of have it that I, I think they can split the two. <clears throat> I, I don't necessarily know which one they win and which one they lose. If I had to pick, I would say they lose to Iowa State and they beat TCU because the, I do agree. The issue here now is that KU, they have to lose at some point, right? They just have to. I mean, I mean. Could you imagine? <laughs> Go fifteen and zero, win the title. Like, like, right? They just, you know, now, now we're stuck in this like weird loop of, are they going to lose? <laughs> right. I don't know. Well, it's just like I'll be honest. Like I, I told you this. I, I think on Monday, like just off air. But like, if you think about it from a perspective of, if they go six and six this year, which would have I mean, in the preseason, yes. would be deemed the wildest of successes for this but team it to means make a They're going to lose exactly. two of their next eight games, which is so devastating yeah. to think about. It's a, it's, it's like, oh man, of your next eight Saturdays, only two of them you're going to have that same feeling you had the first <laughs> or, four weeks. Or like, think, or think, I was actually thinking about this too yesterday. Think about it this way: in a typical K football season, you might be looking forward to the bye week because then you don't have to be you don't have to be sad. Mm-hmm. The bye week is going to be devastating this year. Like, no KU football? Are you kidding me? I'm going to be so sad. <laughs> yeah. So, I, uh, I'll i say they split between the next two. Again, if, if I'm leaning, I'll say they beat TCU and lose to Iowa State. But I, I think okay. it's better if I just view it as a standpoint of, like, they get one of the next two. So, they're sitting at 5-1 and one for me. They're sitting at 6-0 and oh for you. Okay. Let's lump the, the three games after that into kind of a series as well. Oklahoma on the road in Norman. Baylor on the road in Waco. Then you have a bye week, and then you have Oklahoma State at home. See, this is tough because last week I was in my head. I was thinking, okay, OU's the best team. They're 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 going to lose OU, right? Then OU gets clapped by Kansas State, and now I don't know. I'm not so sure. Is the defense fixed? We don't know for Oklahoma. But that being said, it's on the road. I think I still have to go with Oklahoma to beat KU. I don't want to do it, but. They've got to lose at some point, so I might as well just rip the Band-Aid off, lose at Oklahoma. I mean, I, it, it's it, at this point, it, it's it's really actually, like, shockingly not that surprising if they were to win this game, though. Like, in a shootout, KU could easily win that. They've almost beaten Oklahoma multiple times in the last four years. So, is it crazy to pick KU? Probably. So, that's why I'm going to stick with Oklahoma for now. But, man, I don't know. I I was really torn on this, but I'll go with Oklahoma. So, I I'm gonna do kind of the same thing here. Um, 
where instead of me just saying they win this one, they lose these two, I'm going to say they win one of the three. Okay. I think that... Well, the, go ahead. Sorry. No, well, I think the Oklahoma one sticks out for... You saw what Adrian Martinez specifically did as a running quarterback. Well, Jalen Daniels is a really good running quarterback, <laughs> so that could be problematic for OU. Now, maybe that, that K-State game allows them to learn their lesson and they kind of tighten the screws for the KU game. I'm not saying it was necessarily OU, but we saw him play him close last year. You see that possible fatal flaw for the Oklahoma defense. And then uh, it, it's less about the Baylor game for me and more about the, okay, you get Oklahoma State at home off of a bye. I do think Oklahoma State's a good team, but I don't think it's like completely unbeatable. So I'm just going to, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to ride with Lance Leipold's squad here. I'll say they win one of those three. Okay. So I have well, by- them at. Six and three. By that logic, I think Oklahoma is maybe the most winnable. I would agree with that. Right? And this is kind of silly to think about, but in my mind, it's almost like I have this this mental block that is like the years of of struggle for KU. It's like preventing me from just going all in and thinking that KU like, is going to win mm-hmm. like any of these games. They always get blown up by a Baylor. They always get blown up by Oklahoma State. They played Bay- Oklahoma close at least a couple of times, but like, but still, there's like this mental block that's like preventing me from saying, "Yeah, K will win this game. K will win this." Like, it's like, it's like, it's almost just impossible, which is which is really tough because they they very well could win. I mean, Oklahoma, I think, like I said, is is maybe the most winnable out of those three. I think the issue with Baylor is they're the most physical team in the conference. They're a pretty good running team. I I I find myself struggling to find a way to think that KU will for sure win that game. So then you go to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's a good team. I think KU would have to play probably one of their better games to beat Oklahoma State at home. Again, not impossible. But I think I will say that they're going to go one and two in this stretch as well. So that that I I'm at I'm at seven and two. Okay. So six and three, seven and two. Um We'll take these next ones one by one. Okay. Uh, well, I I don't know. We can do either way. Uh, Texas yeah, I kind of messed up your flow. Sorry. No, you're fine. No, no, not at all. Uh, Texas Tech in Lubbock, I believe, is the next one. Yep. I think that's a game that's going to be kind of a coin flip. I, I kind of agree. Texas Tech might be, like, pretty good. Like, actually good. Like, eight and four good. Yeah. I don't know. It's I kind of wild, but. It's tough. I think that's a very winnable game for KU, but I don't know if I'm going to pick it outright. I do think KU will have the definitive advantage at quarterback. Like, Donovan Smith's fine, but I, I think Jalen Daniels is a lot better. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, you could say that about a majority of their games left this season. Could you not? Yeah, I think you could. I, I mean, we we talk, if Jalen Daniels is the best quarterback in the conference, then you have the quarterback advantage <laughs> over everyone. I just think it's a, I, yeah. I don't think it's like a small advantage. I think it could yes. be a big gap in that game. Against Texas Tech, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. If, I, if I'm if i doing the thing where I'm just mashing them together again, I think I'm saying they go one and two between those matchups with Tech, K-State, and Texas. I think that's a conservative pick, but it also leaves me with room to where if they do go 0-3 in that tough three-game stretch, I think 2-1 and one is doable there as well. So, I think that's that's the mark to where I've gotten with this team. I have them at seven and five now. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning more towards two and one. I, I think, like you said, it's three tough games, but it's three games that KU should have a pretty good chance in, right? So, 
it, like you said, it's, it's. I think it's very possible they could go 0-3 or they could go 2-1 or there is a world, I guess, where they could potentially go 3-0. But I think 2-1 is probably what I would pick. The, the Texas game, just <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that because obviously you have the history and everything with what KU's done to Texas recently and, and now all of a sudden KU's good and Texas is still like kind of floundering. But then you still got the whole question of Quinn Ewers. Like you figure he'll be... I think he he suited up against Texas Tech, but he didn't play. So I think he's going to be certainly back and probably in more of a rhythm by the time that game rolls around. It's at home. KU could win that one. And then you have the enigma of the K-State game where I I still don't really have a good grip on what to think about that. I mean, it'll be K-State's Super Bowl. There's no question. It's their Super Bowl every year. It's the only game they care about. That and Oklahoma. The only games they care about. (laughs) So it'll be their Super Bowl. Last game of the season, and if if my picking is to be correct, and KU is eight and or nine and two or eight and three going into that game, KU could be playing for a spot in the Big Twelve Championship in that game. I mean, what what you just picked them to go is nine and three, which gives you a chance at it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I, I I don't know, I don't know, I really don't. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think about that game. And I, I'm, I'm saying that now on September 29th. On November 25th, the day before that game, I am still going to say the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I have no idea what to expect, what to think. So if you have them going 9-3. and three, Or 10-2. and two, I mean, they I just they could go 3-0 in the last three. That's a little rich for me, but like <laughs> I think you. It's kind of rich for me, too, but I, I'm. I'm talking myself into it. I mean, if you believe it, you should probably put money on KU at 18 to 1 to win the Big 12. Going on DraftKings right now. Uh, again, I think if the issue is losing to Baylor and Oklahoma State and possibly Oklahoma, it means you're not going to have any tiebreakers over those teams. Which means even if even if KU is you know, let's say they are 9 and Could 3. Could be a three-way tie though. Let's say they are 9 and 3 and they manage to beat, I don't know, Oklahoma but then Baylor and Oklahoma State are both nine and three. Wouldn't they get in over KU? Well, but Baylor at nine and three would have the one uh, non-con loss, so they'd actually have two losses in conference play. So Baylor would be the number one, and then you'd have a three-way tie with Kansas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and then you'd have Kansas beat OU, OU beats Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State beats KU, like in hypothetical case here. So then it yeah, would it would go down past that. Uh, I, I believe it goes to like. Is it point differential? No, I think it goes to like record against the best team and you work down the list. So if anybody would have a head-to-head over Baylor, they would get the spot. And then it would go down to whoever the fifth-place team, you have a head-to-head over them, which what if it's like Kansas State is the (laughs) fifth-place team and KU has it, but Oklahoma does not, right? So um, in your scenario, it is a possibility. (laughs) I, again, am not going that far. I have them at 7-5, and which I think would still be a huge success for this team. yes. But so far, we haven't seen anybody slow down their offense. And I guess until we do see someone, and maybe it's this week against Iowa State, maybe not. Until we see someone actually give us reasons of why the offense is not just this top 10 elite <laughs> unit in the country. Exactly. Who's to say they couldn't beat Oklahoma? Exactly. Or even Oklahoma State in mm-hmm. a shootout. So it's but yeah, it's all I, possible. I, but. I'm, I guess it's kind of a, when it comes to the K-State game, again, it's kind of a cop-out. But I just, I don't, I don't even know, man. I don't even know. 
He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we have some player audio to get to you from O.J. Burroughs. Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks, will join us in about 15 minutes from right now. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it. Welcome back in. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson, and now we're joined by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. So, Brian, we go back to last year, and the Iowa State game was very uncompetitive for KU. It was 28-0 Iowa State at the end of the first quarter. They won 59-7, and now we fast forward a year later, and just everything is different. What sticks out to you the most about the total turnaround from that meeting in Ames last year to where we are this year? And what do you kind of remember from uh, last year's meeting? You know, I've tried to block most of it out, so <laughs> let's not go too far down memory lane. I remember a couple of roundhouses to the jaw and being down four touchdowns like that and, and thinking, holy smokes, um, you know, that this could be ugly. And many of our trips up there have been. Kansas has never beaten Matt Campbell in his six seasons up there. And I remember, you know, going back to the early years, my, my first year on the call sort of been six years ago. And, and I want to say it's like 49 to nothing. It reminded me of the first game of the Mark Mangino era. People often forget his first game as a Kansas coach was a conference road game. Talk about being thrown to the wolves. And so we've had some bad trips up to Ames. And ironically, one of the best trips up to Ames was under Les Miles in 2019, where Kansas only lost by 10. But my first year, it was 45 nothing. That's what it was. Uh, last year, 59-7. And, and yeah, I mean, if you go all the way back to, to the beginning of the Mangino era, you're talking about another seven touchdown defeat. So these have been rough games up there. And I just remember thinking uh, last year at home that, that we're much better than we're showing. And they're obviously a more experienced, you know, longer tenure with the coaching staff and, and the program type team. And it shows, but it shouldn't show to the tune of, of 59 to seven. I didn't think that, you know, they were just otherworldly compared to us, but you fast forward a year and Purdy's gone. Brees Hall is in the NFL with the Jets. He's probably on Nick's fantasy team. And and the point is they're not playing for the Cyclones. And while you like some of the guys they've got back, including Xavier Hutchinson, who's going to break even the amazing numbers he posted last year, Deckers and, and Brock in the backfield are not like Purdy and Hall were. And so they're, they're a little bit less than what they were a year ago, and we are so much better. And so I don't think there was a 52-point gap between these two teams in reality a year ago anyway. It just kind of was based on when we caught them, the juncture of the season. Had we played that game in November, I, I think it's more of a you know, four-touchdown or three-touchdown type game. Now you see all the maturation of our program, all the additions to the transfer portal, and the emergence of Jalen Daniels, and suddenly you know, the oddsmakers say this is a field goal game heading into Saturday. So that's a pretty dramatic shift from a 57 or, or what, what was it? Yeah, 52 point margin yeah. a year ago to just three and a half, you know, the, the next year. But kudos to our program for making so many leaps and strides and bounds. And, and obviously they've backed off a little bit. But this is still a really talented defense, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. I mean, they lead the league in scoring defense, total defense, takeaways, all of that. So there's a lot to be very respectful of that Matt Campbell will bring down here. Yeah, speaking of respect, Brian. Lance Leipold paid respect to what Matt Campbell has kind of built at Iowa State. 
do you think there are some comparisons to be made between kind of what Iowa State has built with Matt Campbell and what Lance Leipold and the Jayhawks are trying to build now? It's a great question, Nick. And, you know, Lance has straight up said we kind of look at what they have and what they are as what we would like to be. And when he says that, he's not just talking about the wins and losses. He's talking about when they first pulled up the, to the facility last year and, uh, and they, they saw just throngs and throngs of, of fans for ISU. I mean, they probably had 30,000 folks tailgating before they even entered Jack Trice Stadium. And then they saw the football facility and, and all the, the millions upon millions of dollars they poured into that. And this is a program that historically is not in a different stratosphere than Kansas at all. Uh, they certainly have had a better last 20 years when you go back to Paul Rhodes, Gene Chizik, Dan McCarney, and, and now what Campbell has done for the last six-plus years. But historically all time, it's not like you know there's some kind of otherworldly tradition-rich program that we aren't. And so Leipold's whole thing is this is who we want to be has to do with what they've built in terms of facilities, engaged fans, and then the consistent product on the field. And so I like the comparison. And obviously people want to compare the two head coaches, not just because of, of jobs they're linked for, but the fact that they both come from Division three football powerhouses with Campbell being from Mount Union. And, of course, Coach Leipold, six national titles at Wisconsin Whitewater. So a lot to like about these two. It's, it's interesting. You know, they're separated in age by about a decade and a half. But, uh, you know, clearly two of the most – coveted up-and-coming coaches uh, and respected up-and-coming, you know, based on what they've done at their respective programs. And it's amazing, you know, Campbell has turned down so many jobs that he's been linked to and, and every time reaffirmed his commitment to Iowa State. And, and that's another comparison we would like to be able to make that, that Lance Leipold will eventually do the same. And I know Kansas leadership, Travis Goff and company are doing everything in their power to give Coach all he needs to be here for a long, long time. Talking with Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. So KU does play Iowa State in a game where their defense has been so good this season, and we obviously know how good KU's offense has been this year. How do you kind of break down that matchup uh, for that side of the ball with KU? Well, it's interesting, and, and I was I was talking with some of the coaches about when we do so many things so creatively and differently offensively than most, and they do so many things so soundly and fundamentally strong defensively, are they going to adjust to what we do? Or are they going to come out in their base defensive front and, and just see if in the early stages, you know, they can anticipate what's coming, not bite on all the pre-snap fakes and motion and movement and have it be good enough, or will they have to adjust? Who's going to blink first in this matchup? Will we have to adjust what we do because they're so good at stuffing the run, and, and you know, we're going to see more defensive backs in, in this uh, formation than we're used to seeing with 3-3-5 back there? Is it going to be tougher uh, for some of those throws on the edge? I, I don't know. And, and I would be curious to see in a chess match of you know who's – base set or, or, you know, fundamental foundational philosophy, Kansas offense or slash defense has to be compromised or, or adjusted first. And then all that focus that's being put on that side of the ball in that particular matchup, and justifiably so, it, it is the matchup of the game, is that overshadowing what happens when the clones have the ball and the emerging Kansas defense is on the field. And in a game that is this 
even on paper, if you look at how the odds makers are forecasting this, basically, you know, if we're a three and a half point dog and we're at home, that means that Vegas thinks that we're about a touchdown, you know, less than Iowa State in general. So you're pretty evenly matched. In a matchup that close on paper, could the actual phase of the game that tilts the scales be in the matchup nobody's talking about? Their offense versus our defense. Could our defense get a takeaway at a key juncture? Get, get a scoop and score, get a pick six, something like that, to tilt scales that otherwise are pretty dang even. Uh, that, to me, could be a fascinating storyline in this thing, too. But no doubt we all want to see if Jalen Daniels can keep it coming uh, against the best defense he will have seen. Can Kansas as a team keep the wins coming against the best coach team they will have faced to this point? All of these are questions we'll get answered on Saturday. But, uh, but don't overlook that other matchup, the undercard, so to speak, uh, because who knows, in a game that's this dead even, when you check boxes on one side of the ledger or the other, it might just be that underrated matchup that has the biggest say in the outcome. Yeah, and I, if I were to give you a, I don't know, like target score of, hey, if you told me the KU defense holds the Iowa State offense to blank amount of points that makes you feel comfortable they'd win the game, what would that be? Somewhere between 21 and 24. Uh, because I, I think though they're only allowing what fourteen and a half a game, they obviously haven't faced an offense as good as ours. And I know you know they just gave up thirty-one to Baylor. I think we're better offensively right now because Jalen is that special. But realistically, we should expect to come down a peg or two as well because we haven't faced a defense as good as theirs. So, so to me, I, I think Kansas can score in the upper twenties, low thirties. But comfortably, if you ask me for a number that I I, I feel okay about. Uh, surpassing if our defense could hold them to that, it, it would be hold Hunter Deckers and, and Xavier Hutchinson to, to three touchdowns and maybe a field goal, and, and I think we can win this game. But, uh, but we'll have to see, man. They, they may surprise us. Brock may surprise us. But I, I do like our personnel compared to theirs a year later with a couple of their studs in the NFL and, and our team in a much more dynamic place, both because of play calling and in some of these individuals that are emerging like Daniels, Hyshaw, and the like. Well, Todd Reesing, uh was on the come up when you were hosting this show here at RCST, and now we're seeing what Jalen Daniels has done in it's almost sacrilegious to, you know, compare Jalen Daniels to Todd Reesing when it's only been, you know, four games of this season or whatnot. But how would you kind of compare and contrast those two guys and and the start to what this has been for Jalen Daniels versus when I guess Todd Reesing mania became a thing? Well, first off, I, I was lucky enough to successfully recruit Todd to be an RCST co-host mm. once his career was done. So the onus is on you. I don't know Jalen's probably going to be thinking <laughs> NFL and all that, but Derek, you, know, you, you high you've bar. done a great recruiting job on Nick Springer. <laughs> now you got to go get Jalen Daniels as well and have the, the best trio in, in all of, of KC Radio. <laughs> but uh, but anyways, we digress. They they do it differently in so many ways, but where the denominators are common is is when it comes to the it factor, the charisma the ability to make something out of nothing. All of these things are shared traits, but they're very different in other ways. Think about what Todd did most of the time. He, he was escapable in the backfield, extend the play. I remember one play bounces off in Dominican Sue, the most imposing defensive lineman we've seen in years in college football. 
and and he and he chucks it downfield after being whipped around and, and spun sideways. He always had a way to stay on his feet, to step up in the pocket, seemingly magically avoid being sacked. And some of that was his quickness, some of that was his size, his elusiveness. He was just a hard guy to bring down. And by size, I mean he was he was a little guy. He was slippery. He could you know get away from you. He wasn't some big statuesque guy that you could easily grab. Uh, but then he chuck it downfield, and he had two prolific collegiate receivers that between Briscoe and Meyer broke every record you could break. And it was a different era, obviously, so it's not fair to the receivers from the 50s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s to compare their numbers to those two. But, I mean, they shattered the records. They ripped up those record books. And, and it was different because with Jalen Daniels, you don't have the prolific future NFL receivers, not to say that our receiving core can't be great because they have been. I think our receiving core is one of the most underrated aspects of this team. But keep in mind, Terry Meyer was drafted by Atlanta. Dez goes to the Bucks. Um, I, I don't know that today, as of today, that our, our receivers are, are getting NFL grades, but they've certainly been a great story. Instead, with Jalen, you've got a group of tight ends that are you know, very – much, you know, a skillful blocking and pass catching group. You've got running backs that he can dump it off to, but more than anything, you have Jalen as this Swiss army knife uh, of an offensive weapon that can carve you up with his arm. He can carve you up, you know, keeping it himself on, on a QB draw or an option keep by the quarterback where we told you last week, Andy Kotelnik feels like he has elite upper echelon big 12 running back type vision. And it's one thing to say, okay, well, the quarterback has good vision in making his own cuts and, and carrying the ball. But to say that he sees it like a running back uh, is, is an ultimate compliment to give a rushing quarterback like that. But to me, it's so much more so than seeing where the next tackler is coming from. It's knowing when to keep, when to pitch, when to pass, when to run, all these things. And his quick decision-making, how good he is in I would say 90% of the time making the correct read on, on when to keep, when to pitch, when to throw, where to go, that kind of thing. He does that with great effectiveness. He does it quickly. I, I think on one of the Cardell catches, it was like the third or fourth progression on his read, and he got to it so quickly and got the ball on the money. He didn't wait too long back then, and, and that's part of why he's only been sacked once. So what I'm getting at is comparable numbers, we hope they'll have comparable team success when it's all said and done. But obviously, 12-1 and 1 is an awfully high bar to set. But they do it differently. And yet, the, the, the one you know, biggest shared attribute is they just both kind of have that it factor where there's something special about them that you just only see but once every 10, 15 years. And man, am I glad we're getting to witness it right now. And uh, hopefully, much like Reasoning, you know, Jalen gets to go to multiple bowl games back-to-back and, and, and be a guy that's considered one of the best at his craft for the duration of his Kansas career. Because if that's the case, we're going to be in for a lot of winning, a whole lot of exciting Saturdays on the Hill, and, and making some plans in December and January to go bowling again, which obviously we haven't done since the Todd Reason era. Well, speaking of Todd, I know he posted a video, I don't know, minutes ago about coming back into town, and he's going to be here for homecoming, as I'm sure a lot of former KU football players are as well. Uh, any fun broadcast guests or, or interviews for uh, the uh, radio broadcast this week? Um, well, we're hopeful to get either him or Hakeem Adeniji, who's also going to be back. Um, so we're looking forward to having those two guys in some capacity on the broadcast. 
I thought you were going to ask if I had any fun Todd oh. uh, interview stories over the years. And, and I'm sure did. there's all sorts of fun uh, Todd stories. Did. I don't know how many are appropriate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Some some of the best of which you know, didn't uh-huh. happen on air. But he, he is the life of the party. He is uh, just just a really fun guy to be around um, in, in any sense. But I'm looking forward to Friday night on Mass Street with the Chris Lane Country Music Concert and the big Rock Chalk Block Party with Reesing and Stucky. I'll be out there. Coach is, is busy that night. He's actually recruiting and game planning on the same night. And I love that because it shows that they're making hay right now, you know, it, with, with this great start. And so Daryl's going to represent the current football staff by being out there. But we'll have Travis Goff there as well. So make a plan to be there on Friday night if you're not going to the high school football action because that's going to be a great scene down on Mass Street. And hopefully it carries over into Saturday afternoon, and this winds up being a memorable homecoming weekend that uh, we always look back on fondly. All right, do you have a uh, candidate or multiple candidates for name of the week this week? This is tougher. Uh, so to, to catch up our listeners, we don't catch every Thursday episode. Brought to you by the Miller Retirement Group, by the way. Um, Derek issued this challenge five weeks ago to come up with an opponent name that was a name of the week on the opposition, and I tried to limit it to the two deep people, a name that we might actually say at some point on Saturday. And some weeks there's obvious options. Last week, we didn't have that many great options. I think we went with Aeneas Peebles. Um, but this week, I, I'm down to three. And I think the one I'm going to go with is Hunter Zenzen, the mm. Zen master. Phil Jackson has nothing on this guy because he's not just Zenful once. He's Zenful <laughs> twice. Zenzen. And it's, and it's spelled just like it's, it's, uh, or it's, you know, it sounds just like it's spelled. It's spelled just like it sounds. It's literally Z-E-N-Z-E-N. He's a redshirt sophomore from Barnesville, Minnesota. He plays their Sam linebacker position. He's the backup to Colby Reader. But Hunter Zenzen is probably my number one guy. But I also considered Dominique Orange because mm-hmm. you rarely see the last name Orange and, and nothing rhymes with Orange. And then uh, <laughs> Caleb Bacon. Bacon mm. as a linebacker. I just thought Can't be that. Bacon boy back there bringing, bringing the, the beef, baby. <laughs> uh, so Caleb Bacon, Dominic Orange, but I think Hunter Zenzen is going to be our winner. With an honorable mention to TJ Tampa, who actually hails from St. Petersburg, Florida. So Perfect. maybe there's something in uh, the family origin there with TJ Tampa as our fourth option. All right, those are all great. I do have a question. Does door hinge rhyme with orange? <laughs> door hinge a little bit I, I i said that nothing rhymes with orange reference <laughs> and maybe two percent of the audience caught it mm-hmm. but if you ever watched parks and rec uh andy on that show andy dwyer mm-hmm. he uh would come up with multiple names for his band and one of the names was nothing rhymes with orange <laughs> and i think another name was everything rhymes with orange but it's it, I think Mouse Rat or something. I can't remember what the final name was they went with, but Nothing Rhymes with Orange was always a, a funny reference from Parks and Rec. Awesome. Well, uh, here's Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Brian, before we let you go, a uh, quick word from Nate Miller. And by the way, it's Mouse Rat. Mouse Rat. Yep. Yes, thank you. That, that was the band name. Appreciate you looking at that. Man, the, the amazingness that Google is mm-hmm. on this show. Um do I have time to tell a 30-second story? Yeah, go for Real it. Real fast, or are we up against the break? Oh, go for okay. it. Google first got popular about, I don't know, 15-ish years ago when I was doing this show, and we used to have 
a contest called Win Brett Ballard's Money. It was like Win Ben Stein's Money, which is a game show that predates both of you, but look it up on Google as I'm talking. And the way it worked was if you didn't win in a given week, uh, then we doubled the money the next week. And it was Win Brett Ballard's Money because certain days of the week, my co-host Brett Ballard, now the Ichabod, uh, couldn't be there, but he would record trivia questions and you had to look them up. Well, the pot grew to like $2,000. And uh, because we would put you on the spot and you had five seconds to answer the question, Kevin Romery, former Channel 6 sports director, one of the all-time great guys and great announcers, he formed a Google uh, assembly of, of, of sportscasters where they were all sitting in a room, like four of them, and we would throw out the question and they would be clickety-clack typing away and he would come up with the answer within six seconds, and he ended up taking down, I think it was $1,900, <laughs> thanks to the, the magic of Google. But before that, it never existed, and you could do true radio competitions like RCST Trivia without having to worry about somebody cheating. Uh, but, but it was Kevin Romery that cracked the code and won Brett Ballard's money. 1900 deep. Can you believe KLWM was throwing around that kind of cash back in the day? Oh, Crazy. man. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Well, Brian, I'll tell you uh, what I'd do if I had nine hundred dollars, like Kevin Murray, I'd take it to the Miller Retirement Group and invest it in my financial future. That's what I would do. Check him out today, MillerRetirementGroup.com. Fellas, always a pleasure. Appreciate you. Appreciate you as well. That's Brian Haney, voice of the Jayhawks. You can hear him on the call tomorrow. Cue the disclaimer. Not a client. Brian does not endorse, and all individuals should make their own evaluation of the firm's investment advisory and insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. All right, that's Brian Haney with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. This is RCST. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Coming up at 4.40, we're going to be joined by Clark Cummings, the head of talent management for FanJolt, Dan Beckler, the president and COO of Mass Strategies. We've got some cool stuff going on over there. Top of the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to be joined by Michael Swain of Fog.net. We've got some more player audio to get to you here coming up in our second segment of the 4 o'clock hour, as well as more coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, too. Looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering? Venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70 in five minutes from downtown Lawrence. What is Venue 1235? It's a large, climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. Check them out today. Okay, we've got our KU mailbag for the week. Thank you to those who submitted questions. Our first one comes from Frank. Baylor beat Iowa State by controlling the clock, creating takeaways, and not being penalized. That was not KU last week. How do they course correct on those three items? Yeah, the penalty one is interesting, and I <laughs> I loved it from Brian Borland during a, his press conference where somebody asked him about the penalties or something, and he, he, he gave a very, very diplomatic answer. A very diplomatic answer. You know, he said the penalties are what they are, <laughs> even though I think he – Maybe if he was allowed to give his actual opinion, uh, we might have had to, A, bleep out some of what he said, and B, it would have been probably a lot more on the side of they were bad calls. But, yeah, I don't know. Because the thing is, is like penalties had not really been an issue for Kansas in their first three games. And against Duke, they were a bit of an issue, specifically on the defensive side. But on the offensive side, they still weren't a problem really at all. I mean, you think about on the offensive side, there was the West Virginia game, the very first drive of the game, where they had a holding call that backed them up that they punted on. But beyond that, the offense has been pretty clean from that standpoint. So, and I, I think that's 
if you were to ask Lance Leipold, that's probably one of his pillars of of his coaching style is discipline, right? So I think the penalties should be better this week uh, against against Iowa State. The takeaways one is interesting because the defense has been opportunistic. They didn't force a turnover against Duke, though. But they have been opportunistic in forcing turnovers when they've like needed to. Uh, so that's a possibility. And then controlling the clock is interesting as well because you figure that would be one of KU's strengths, but the offense is so good that they kind of score really fast sometimes. <laughs> so it's like it's interesting. Um, but, but yeah, I think those are three things that KU is probably aware of. And, and again, I, I see no reason why the penalties would not be better this week. And the turnover one is is going to be important. Uh, again, turnovers is one of those funny things where it's like they're always important. Every game, turnovers are important. But in this game against Iowa State, they might be more important because Iowa State leads the Big 12 in takeaways. And if the K, if they're able to force the KU offense to turn over a couple times, you're going to need to turn over. You're going to need some takeaways from the KU defense as well. So that is definitely something to keep an eye on. But yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, appreciate the question, and I think, uh, like I said, I think two out of those three things should without a question, be better this week for KU, but it'll be interesting to see what their game plan is. Yeah, so KU has two games where they have not forced turnovers and then two games where they did, and one of the ones they got against West Virginia wasn't really KU doing anything. It was just West Virginia messed yeah, up and muffed a punt. punt, right? So I don't know that KU has done a great job early this season in forcing turnovers, I think the more pass rush you get, the more that's going to lead to the tighter coverage you get, the more it's going to lead to the more tip balls. That's the other part of it, too, though. Maybe they've been a little bit unlucky because a lot of times when a pass gets deflected in the air and it hangs in the air for a couple seconds or what seems like a couple seconds, those a lot of times result in interceptions. And against West Virginia, it resulted in like a 25-yard reception. <laughs> and against Duke, it almost resulted in like a 20-yard reception. But Kenny Logan was able to come over the top and, and kind of knock the ball out from the defender or, or from the uh, receiver. So, I don't know. Maybe there's more coming for KU. Iowa State has turned it over a good amount so far. I think they're ninth in the Big 12 in turnovers on offense meaning that they have the second most turnovers in the Big 12. Hunter Deckers is tied for first in the Big 12 in interceptions thrown. They've had a couple more fumbles to go with, so uh, it's going to be imperative. Now, it, I guess officially the question is, how do they correct those items? I don't know. You just do it. You just have better pass <laughs> rush. You just have better coverage. You you do those things. Uh, as far as the penalization, KU's actually second in the Big 12 in least penalties yeah, penalty, called against them. Penalties have, had not been an issue no. in the first three games at all. Now, really, the the aberration was the Duke game. If you go by penalty yards per game, though, Kansas is, would that be fifth in the Big 12? Okay. Or, no, they're, they're they sixth. Get, they're sixth. All of the big penalties they had against right. Duke were, you know, late hits yeah. or personal fouls or whatever. And that's why. I mean, you take out the Gavin Potter one, you take out like Lonnie a pass Phelps. interference or something, Lonnie Phelps, and the yardage isn't there. But again, by just pure number of turn or penalties called against them, they're second in the Big 12. And even then, the team who's first is Oklahoma State. They have 14 penalties called against them. They've played three games. Kansas is at 19. They've played four games. So the average there is like barely off. Oklahoma State's just under five. KU's just under five. So they've been very good at that to what you were saying earlier. I would expect that to just turn just itself bad. around yeah. on its own. Um, the controlling the clock thing, I think that's just kind of a nature of how the game goes. Like, you don't go into a game and go, 
we have to do everything in our power to hold the ball for this amount of time. Let's just kneel the ball or run it into the ground and, and use up this time of possession. That's just something where it's, hey, if you're winning the game, by nature, you're going to have the clock more sometimes because you might be running the clock out of the game at the end. Or it's also a product of, hey, if KU does well running the ball, which we know they want to be a pillar of this offense with that kind of spread triple option game, if they're converting first downs, they're having successful drives, then one product of that will be that the clock keeps running and that they win time of possession. So that's something where it's just, to me, it's can KU consistently run the ball? Um, and Baylor honestly wasn't really able to do that much, but they were able to convert key third downs. They had a, a good passing game. Uh, they averaged over like nine yards per attempt throwing the ball. So can you convert key third downs? Can you run the ball well? Like those are kind of the keys to that. Um, the turnover one is the big one that, it's, it's hard to tell on a given game, okay, is this going to be a good turnover game, a bad turnover game? But I think we've seen kind of both sides of it for KU this year. Uh, this one from Zach. How do you win a shirt? Is he talking about at the I believe he's mill? talking about the home field the apparel home field shirts. Apparels? Yeah. Dude, come on down to Big Mill <laughs> tomorrow, on Saturday between 12 and 1. We'll be there. That's how you, that's how you get a shirt. Yes. So uh, there's a prize wheel. Big Mill is over on the corner of 9th and Mississippi. You can't miss it on your way into the stadium if you're coming in from the, I believe that would be the north entrance into uh, Memorial I, I Stadium. say the Mississippi Street. Yeah, that's the better way of doing it. And you can't miss it. It's uh, There's a table and a tent that we yep. set up outside we'll of there. Big Mill, which Big Mill is fantastic to begin with. You should go check it out. The pizza, great. Cocktails, great. Hey, it's close enough to the stadium where mm -hmm. you can go get some drinks yeah. before the game and just walk over to the game. Yeah, and if you're just looking for a spot to like watch the game at, they have TVs inside. My ultimate spot, they have some TVs outside on their patio. You can hear the stadium from there. So you sit on the patio outside, you watch the game on the TV, you hear the stadium. That's like ultimate if you're not if you don't have a ticket into the game for me. Uh, but anyway, yeah, just stop by and spin the prize wheel. And one of the things on the prize wheel is going to be the home field apparel shirts. And, and we have uh, some yeah. uh, KLWN shirts also. That's right. Some uh, other shirts as yeah. well. There's going to be uh, some KU football tickets, which that's going to be more limited. So, so you're going to want to show up early for those. If you want a shirt, mm -hmm. that's how you do it. Yes. Okay, this one from Nate. Would you rather Kansas beat Iowa State and lose to TCU by 20 or more points? Or would you rather them lose close to Iowa State and blow out TCU? To me, this is a no-brainer. Lose close to Iowa State and blow out TCU. I, listen, the, I'm at the point now where if KU gets blown out, I don't know that I'll be able to recover. I'll just be so like deflated and sad that like I just don't even want to think about that happening, which is which is wild. So absolutely, I'd rather lose close to Iowa State and then blow out TCU because you're still five and one at that point, right? And honestly, this question is it's a good question, but I think it's a win-win either way. Like you're five and one regardless of which outcome mm -hmm. you choose, which is which is fine. Yeah, so like when, when we were re-picking the schedule, I had them winning one of the next two. So, yes, you're, you're right from that standpoint. I don't think it matters a ton. But I'll try to make the case for the first one. I know that sounds less appealing that you lose the TCU by 20-plus points. It does. And, and the second one is clearly a more indicative to how good this team would be because it would be a lot easier to be like, Man, look how good they are. They're 5-1. and one. Their only loss is a close loss to a pretty solid Iowa State team. And the first one, you'd have less of that. But the first one, here's the advantage that one has. If you beat Iowa State this week, you're ranked. Yeah. If you lose to Iowa State and then blow out TCU, you're, you're not, not ranked. You're not ranked. Okay, that's interesting because that's not where I thought you were going with that. I thought mm -hmm. you were going to say it could. the first option might be better in the sense of 
if Iowa State ends up being a contender for the Big 12 title and KU ends up being a contender and you have the win against Iowa State, because I think we I think we both agree that TCU is a five or six win team, mm-hmm. maybe a little better. So they're probably not going to be in contention, whereas Iowa State could be. So if you have the win against Iowa State, that gives you a, a leg up in the if, – if you're in that – I don't know. Maybe I'm getting yeah. too far ahead of myself <laughs> in discussing that, but, <laughs> you know, a man can dream. No, but I, I definitely think that's part of it, like the idea that you could be ranked by winning this game and, and the stat of – because it's going to be hard. If you, if you don't get ranked after this game – it's going to be hard to ever do it this season unless, unless you are going to beat like Oklahoma or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I mean, I don't know. If KU's like 6 and 3 and they and they did beat, you know, Oklahoma or Oklahoma State, maybe. That would you you would have to be in the ranked at that point, I would think. It's definitely possible. I I wonder how that works if cuz I I'm trying to think when the first college football playoff rankings come out. I think it'd be around then, around like week 8, week 9, something that like that. That would be wild. If, if there, KU was in the college football rankings. Yeah, but like, does that count when we when they're like, oh, the last time they were you know ranked was two thousand nine? If they're not in the AP poll, but they are in the college football playoff rankings, I don't know. Maybe it does. I don't know if that counts. I think it should. You think it should? More important rankings, right? It's the ones that actually determine who makes it. I I I guess I don't know. Yeah, see, I I'm going back and forth on this because the second one clearly is more indicative that they should have future success. But I just think that ranking thing, being right in front of your face. No, I, that's actually a really excellent point that you brought up for the first one. But if they lose by 20 or more to TCU. And they're immediately not ranked. Yeah, exactly. And then are we going to be like, and, and honestly, okay, here to, it comes. Losing in a blowout to TCU, drop. it might mean that you might not get ranked again. So would yeah. you rather be ranked for one week and then get blown up by TCU? Or potentially be ranked for multiple weeks if you pick the other option? And I think I picked the second one. And that's also, though, like, how much do the rankings matter? We talked a little bit about that earlier this week. Yeah, I mean, they don't really matter. I mean, they matter to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. So I think you take the second one. Uh, Okay, this one is from Victor. Haven't heard a lot of KU basketball talk lately. Why? Who do you think has the edge to start at center? I mean, there's a reason you haven't heard a lot of KU basketball talk lately. It's not because... Yeah, you don't think KU the, basketball is going to be very good or anything. It's yeah, just I thought the question was why why why, why are you not, not talking yeah. about KU basketball? <laughs> why? I thought, I thought that's where you were going with that. I well, uh, what do you think? Well, I I guess the first part of this, yeah, we've just been talking KU football because they've been really good and really fun, and. Uh, it's certainly going to get weird. I've never had to deal with this before on the show where it's like we get to October and it's, you know, maybe we're splitting our time between football and basketball. And then once basketball starts, maybe it's majority basketball. Well, we're still talking football, previewing the games and recapping whatever happens. I don't know what we're going to do now. Like, am I even going to have time to talk KU basketball? Of course we will. But like, you know what I mean? Uh, anyway, who do you think has the edge to start at center? I've been kind of saying Zach Clements from the get go here, but. I don't know is like the honest <laughs> answer. Um, you could really convince me it would be Ernest Duday. You could convince me it'd be Zuby Edgefer. You could convince me it'd be Zach Clements. I do think it's one of those three guys. I wouldn't expect it to be, uh, you know, with, with like KJ Adams as a small ball five or Cam Martin. But I still lean Zach Clements right now. And 
how often in, in Bill Self in the past would you have a you know McDonald's All-American big or something, and they come back for another year, and they get a bigger role, and they have this just fantastic season? I think because KU has been more wing-oriented, guard-oriented lately, we haven't maybe seen that as much or, or had it happen as much or maybe focused on it as much, but I definitely think that's in play for Zach Clements that he has a big breakout year. Um, we did the uh, kind of a deep dive on this, I think, back in the summer, and when you look at like freshman big men or freshman centers under Bill Self, there was only one, I think, all time under Bill Self at KU that even played 20 or more minutes per game. And it was Joel freaking Embiid, who <laughs> obviously is just an unbelievable talent. So that might make it an uphill climb for Uday and Ejiofer working into the system and everything, which is Another reason why I would take Clements there. But just in terms of like the pure talent, like Ernest Uday is really talented. He's got a big wingspan, going to be a good shot blocker, rebounder, rim runner, pick and roll guy, which I think is going to get him on the floor and give him a lot of early opportunity. Um, with Zuby Edgefer, it's interesting because I think by some of the scouting reports, you look at just the ranking, and Uday is the guy who's the McDonald's All American, the top 30 guy. Edgefer, not as much, but. You talk to some of these people and they say that, yeah, maybe Edgefer is more college-ready right now and Uday is maybe more of the long-term, high-potential guy and Edgefer put up these really big numbers in some of these big AAU events and everything. So right now, I would probably lean Zach Clements 1, Edgefer 2, Uday 3, but you could ask me again in about a month or three weeks or something and I might have Uday 1, I might have... Clemens too. I do think Clemens has the highest floor of them in terms of I think no matter what, Clemens is going to have a part in the rotation, whereas with Uday or Ejiofer you could convince me that one of them starts and the other one doesn't really crack the rotation outside of that like, yeah, I'm playing five minutes every now and then or whatnot. Um, so I think that the floor is higher there that Clements, I think no matter what, is kind of part of the rotation. Where maybe that's not the case for the other guys. Yeah, you kind of touched on what I what I was thinking, which was how often do we see, you know, freshman guys in that position come up and get playing time a lot? And then you brought up the Joel Embiid stat, which kind of further proves mm -hmm. what I was thinking, which is like that's just that's just not really his thing. That's not really Bill's thing. So from that standpoint, Zach Clements is probably the safest pick to be that guy to start the season, but that obviously could change over the course of the year. All right, this last one from Jeshua. Um, he said he was very complimentary of you, Nick. So oh, thank you. He said Nick's been making a good transition into the show. Uh, he did say if the movie review segment was ever to get revived, shout out Matt Galloway, Nick should be the reviewer. He says that he isn't a movie person. So one, perfect person to watch commonplace films. And two, he'll understand your movie references at work. It's a win-win. I'm, I'm extremely down for this. <laughs> okay, you down. are. Because, I, like I said, I mean... I have I I've watched a lot of movies, mm -hmm. but I haven't. I'm not a like I said. I'm not a really a movie connoisseur, so to speak. So if you selected, you know, if you wanted to make a list of movies, and I could tell you if I'd seen them or not, and then you know, go from there. All right, let me. This is so. This was before you were here. Matt Galloway used yep. to be at the Topeka Capital Journal. Hadn't seen like any movies, so <laughs> we had him do a movie review. It was a weekly segment, one of our more beloved segments that we did on the radio, but. Um, now we have it no longer. So on one hand, it's like, do I want to, do I want to redo something that yeah, was already so great? But on the your, other yeah, hand, I guess it's your call. It's not like we got rid of it because we got tired of it. Like we love doing it, and I think you would be good for it. So, um, 
Maybe I'll put it up for a poll, and we'll okay. let the listeners decide. But here was the here was the uh, crux of what got us going on Matt. One of us mentioned on the show at the time something about Shawshank Redemption. He's like, I'd never seen it. Really? You've never have seen you, Shawshank okay, Redemption? So you have seen Shawshank, seen Shawshank Redemption. Redemption. Okay. Yes, yes. And that's what kind of got it going because that's you know widely renowned as one of the like greatest movies ever. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll put it up for a poll. But it definitely is a possibility because we okay. enjoy doing the movie review segment. It's a fun segment. Yeah. Do you have... Like what? Do you have a favorite type of movie or like a favorite genre? Um, probably like you know action or adventure type movies, I guess. Like, that uh, answer was the ultimate. I need to watch more movies. You think so? You, you gave me like a sheepish smile, as if like I oh. don't know. I just watch movies. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. It's a good thing. It I think furthers the idea that like, uh, uh, this could work out. Like, but some of my favorite movies of all time are like Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Love Lord of the Rings. Okay. Uh, I like Shawshank Redemption, obviously. Okay. Uh, Dude, by the way. I, I like uh, one of my favorite movies is Tombstone, actually. Great recently. movie, yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, so crazy story about Tombstone real quick. My dad loves Tombstone. Mm-hmm. And it was it, Tombstone is one of those movies that they put on TV a lot. So when I was a kid, my whenever it was on, my dad would make, it, make me watch it with him. And then I came to love it because it's a great movie. Well, then a couple years ago for Christmas, my dad, unbeknownst to me, he... Like I, I had an estate sale or something. He found like he found a, a giant, like vintage, like poster for Tombstone. Like before, you know how like back in the I guess in the nineties and stuff when it, before a movie came out they would sell you know movie posters right. Which I guess they don't do that as much now. Mm-hmm. But it okay. I'm trying to even describe. It's like it's like longer than our the, our studio. It, this poster is like it's like ten feet long probably at least by like five feet wide. It was so large in fact. That it didn't fit on any of the walls of my apartment that I lived in at the time. I couldn't even <laughs> I couldn't even put the thing up. Okay, but rest assured, the apartment I live in currently in Lawrence had a wall big enough, and it's up in my apartment. Okay, well, this, see, that might be too much of a I know movies hardo oh. move. Oh, okay. So too I don't much, know. Wait, it's up for a poll though. It's <laughs> up for a poll. You can vote at RCST thirteen twenty. He's Nick Springer. That's our KU mailbag. I'm Derek Johnson. We have some KU player audio from Lawrence Arnold coming up on the other side. This is RCST. We've got a couple of special guests joining us now with Clark Cummings, the head of talent management for FanJolt, and Dan Beckler, the president and COO of Mass Strategies. And there's some cool events going down. There's some cool opportunities that you might be interested in if you're listening to this and kind of getting involved in with this thing. So I'll start with you, Clark. Uh, FanJolt, tell us about the company itself and, and what they're going to be doing upcoming here with all these different KU athletes. Yeah, no. Um, thanks to meet you. Nice to meet you, Derek. And um, I've been lucky to know Dan for quite a few months now, and he's been a privilege to work with at Mass Strategies and and uh, KU, and look forward to helping a lot of their student athletes. But to give you a brief background on Fangel, you know, we started this about close to two years ago when the pandemic kind of arose, and I guess that was what March of 2020. It feels like a forever ago, and. Um, you know, I've been lucky. My background was around college tennis, and I got connected with an individual who um, is a very, uh, you know, uh, well-known in the tennis space named Trevor Short, and he started this company called Fangelt. And through, you know, his relationships for the last 15 years, he's built a lot of incredible relationships with Richard Branson to Rafael Nadal, and um, they do a thing called Necker Cup at Necker Island with Richard for the past 12, 13 years, along with other exhibitions across the world. And 
you know, I guess there was less live events when the pandemic hit and you kind of had to reshape your focus. And that's when Fangio kind of came into play. And to be honest, you know, we never really thought about NIL and name, image and likeness. Um, and, you know, when we went live here earlier this year around January, February, it was all about traditional talent with the Rafas, with the Aaron judges and, you know, those types of A-list celebrities with Kevin O'Leary and different verticals and spaces. And then we got a call about, I guess it was five months ago from Cavalier Futures at University of Virginia. And they said, hey, we love your product. Um, is there any way you could white label this for, you know, University of Virginia? And um, Dan and his team was, wasn't was far behind. Uh, we have a lot of connections in the Kansas world, um, and especially in Wichita with, with Jim Lee and um, Wichita State in Kansas. And they were one of the first few phone calls that we made. And um, we've been kind of having this conversation for the last, I guess, three, four months. And lucky to uh, start helping KU student athletes here in the near future. Okay. So that was the intro for the fan jolt side of things. Dan over at mass strategies. Uh, talk to me about how important this is of a company in kind of this ever changing college landscape with NIL and, and what you guys are all doing. Yeah. I mean, it's imperative, honestly, you know, we've had, you know, to be completely candid, we've had a lot of companies reach out and, and pitch their products to us. And, um, you know, it's all about doing what's right for the student athlete at the end of the day. And this was a no brainer to, uh, to make sure. I mean, the, the, the goal is to maximize the time with these student athletes while they're in, you know, my previous experiences when I was in the NFL for 10 years, you know, the joke is that the NFL stands for not for long. Right. And, you know, you get a few years and you got to maximize it. And so that's that is truly the case here with these college student athletes is they have one, two, six years in Mitch Lightfoot's case. But, you know, it, it is not a long amount of time. So during that, they really have to maximize it. And it's not just um, all about making money. It's about building your brand. And, and so, you know, part of our goal and, and our strategy is to find those partnerships that can do both of that and, and especially align with companies and at the end of the day, interact with student athletes. Well, Clark, uh, you guys are kind of kicking this thing off, this this awesome partnership that's that's starting here with a cool auction that includes a meet and greet, uh, some other fun stuff with some KU basketball players. Take me through that opportunity and, and what people can bid on, how they can go about that process. Yeah, we've seen a lot of interest from fans and donors. And I think, you know, with uh, more live experiences coming about, um, you know, a lot of it was virtual the last two years. Dan and I kind of brainstormed and, you know, thought, hey, how cool would it be to allow Kansas fans to interact with some of the players in a live, um, you know, live component. And what Dan brought to the table here last week was one of the most incredible um, experiences that I could think of to talk with three guys that played a very integral part about uh, winning a national championship and getting to break down a second half of, uh, you know, I don't know what what the score was in the second half, but I guess it was like, what, 40 to 25 or whatever it was. So um, that'll be a pretty exciting second half to review with those guys. And uh, Dewan and Jalen obviously played a very special part um, in, in bringing home that, uh, that championship for Kansas. So I think that will be a a really cool opportunity. And we look to uh, bring more live experiences to the table and have uh, more of these Kansas players interact with fans and donors. And I think, you know, a lot of people look at name, image, and likeness right now, and I hate to say it, but some people think of it as a negative term. And, you know, with FanJolt, we require a portion of the proceeds to go to charities. And um, it also allows for these fans and these 
student athletes to interact and engage. And, you know, maybe these connections can help them down the road, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. And that's something that I really liked out of Mass Strategies when they came to the table. They didn't really think of it as a, you know, NIL for an immediate thing. It's more of a long-term focus in helping um, connect and engage and, you know, whether that's public speaking with these guys, these guys are constantly learning something. They're businessmen right now. And it's not just about money. It's more about opportunities, engaging and what they can lead to down the road. Well, and Dan, I think that's a a good segue into, um, I guess, uh, with what you guys are doing, it's not just about, uh, like kind of Clark was saying, these players getting paid or, or have an opportunity to, you know, make some money off, off, their fame and, and abilities on the basketball court. But uh, that's something that, that you guys have already seen, right? Like players are already kind of using this as a tool to help give back to the community. Absolutely. And that's, that's imperative. I mean, it really is, you know, it's, this is not a get rich quick type of thing. This is uh life lessons. And, and, you know, I think so many people were on board, you know, 14, 15, I mean, two years ago, even saying, Hey, these student athletes need to be compensated for the money that they're bringing in. And so, you know, really using these as life lessons. I mean, you got sometimes 17, 18, 19 year olds who are coming in and, and they're getting caught up real quick of what it's like to be an adult, you know, from taxes and all that type of stuff. But you got to, you know, it's important to learn, build relationships. I mean, there's so many wonderful individuals and donors and supporters of Kansas athletics that um, a lot of our basketball team, frankly, has, has got to interact with and get to know. And uh, it's just cool to see those relationships to kind of start to build and grow and, and almost turn into sort of a, a mentorship with a couple of the guys. And, and that's what it's all about. You know, as, as we go through life, we want to be able to help give back to others and, and, you know, we're going to do some stuff, this fall and, and winter with the Lawrence Chamber of Commerce, right? Because we want to make sure our student athletes are giving back to the community, um, whether it's through shop local type of marketing uh, opportunities, just to, again, just to give back and show that it's, you know, it's important to lift others up as, as you're going through this process. Well, that's awesome. Clark, I'm, I'm curious from your end over a fan jolt, uh, what are some of the maybe more creative things that you've seen from some of these opportunities like uh have you seen any any crazy videos of of players like sharing weird news or i don't know meet and greets at a kid's birthday party where a kid gets surprised and you know uh, what are some of your favorite i guess stories or opportunities that you've seen so far yeah i think um you know we obviously have fan videos we have the ability for someone to come in and say hey i want jalen wilson to follow me on instagram there's a lot of offline interactions that um, are special, but I think the bread and butter with us has been these broadcasts. Um, we have live broadcasts similar to an Instagram live, but we have the ability to bring someone up from the comment section that's commenting and bring them onto the screen and, and interact. And obviously, you know, I'm a Yankees fan and with what Aaron did last night, um, is special. And he's done multiple broadcasts, uh, throughout the last four or five, six months on FanJolt, And, you know, you just see some of these kids that are in awe, they get jolted on the screen. We call it jolted from comment session to, um, to on the screen. And these kids just light up, light up. And, you know, we put out a, a clip last night of thanking Aaron for being on fan Joel, but congratulating him on such an incredible accomplishment. And, 
the clip that we posted last night was, hey, Aaron, what's it like to hit home runs? But then, you know, Aaron's talking, interact with him, and the kid kind of intercepts. He's like, man, so cool that you get to rob home runs, you know? And so, you know, the cool thing is that obviously, you know, with the Kansas student athletes, with Aaron Judge, with the Patrick Mahomes, they're stars in their own right, but they're also just nice guys that want to interact and hang out with their fans at the end of the day. And that's what's so special. And, um, you know, I think uh, going forward, we have a lot of creative abilities that we can we can do with these Kansas student athletes with with Jalen, Dwan, KJ Adams and all these guys. So uh, we're going to continue to brainstorm and, and create some cool opportunities and experiences where fans, donors and friends and alumni can come in and interact with with these guys, because, I mean, I don't know how much the, the fall gallon seats every every game, but there's a lot of people that are really interested about um, these student athletes and especially, I mean, what the football team's doing right now, but when you're coming off a national championship, I think there's more eyes and ears on you for sure. Well, yeah, and I, I guess that leads me into this next one from you, Dan. Obviously, with the way that KU football is buzzing right now, the 4-0 start and uh, most wins already since 2009, like how much – of an increase in, in interest and, and people kind of talking about the program. Have you kind of seen from the NIL front around both the football program and, and maybe how that's led to just, I guess, a booming interest overall? Yeah, it certainly has. And it's awesome. You know, obviously being in this role officially for about, you know, about a month now, I would say, um, and coming over from the KU side, you know, I've been ingrained and in at the practices and uh, throughout the, you know, spring and all that type of stuff. So I'd like to say I saw this coming, uh, but it's hard to say that when you see them going against each other all the time. But, you know, it, it, it's awesome, you know, to just see really the community get back involved and have 47,000 at this last game and then expecting that again for homecoming this weekend. It's just great. You know, we have, um, you know, Coach Leipold has uh, done a voiceover for us and he did a read uh, just about supporting the collective that's played in venue uh, we shared it on social media but that's the kind of message that has to be out there just like hey it's a new day and age in college athletics and and we really need you just to get behind it whether it's 10 20 100 bucks that monthly contribution directly goes to these student athletes and so many people don't know how to get involved in nil because there's compliance there's legalities and that's what the collective is here for we've we've got that all under wraps um and can you know basically take that money that they donate and get to these student athletes and football is certainly a priority right now you know Jalen Daniels has had a lot of uh companies come through and and reach out to try to strike deals um which is awesome and again you know part of what I'm doing is just talking with him about, hey, what makes the most sense for your brand? What are things that you enjoy doing? Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's not take everything you get. You have to make sure that, you know, your values align with what the company's values and, and mission is as well. So it's kind of fun to get to know these student athletes even better. And, and uh, you know, we've been doing some merchandise things, some cool stuff coming through Rally House and, and Jock Snitch and, and working with you know, specific football student athletes for that. So uh, it's fun. You know, it's, it's been, it's been great. These kids deserve it. They really do. And, and uh, going four and oh at, at KU is, is uh, it's not an easy task and they're doing it. And, and more importantly, they're doing it the right way. They're just a great group of young men. Well, well said there, uh, Clark, I'll, I'll leave this for both of you guys. We'll start with you. Is there anything extra you want to add any other ways that people can get involved and in, in anything else we should be on the lookout for upcoming? 
Yeah, I think, you know, obviously with with what Dan's doing and the businesses that are, are coming about and, and, and supporting these student athletes, you know, obviously with Kansas, there's a wide array of, of fans that are interested. So um, we actually just delivered a white label product to Dan and Mass Strategies, I think, last week. And, um, you know, hopefully that link gets sent around a little more through through the campus and more people are um, aware of what we're doing with Mass Strategies and helping these student athletes and putting their name out, you know, and uh, there's a multitude of amenities that, that we're offering. Um, we're obviously doing more live experiences. So, um, you know, I think Fangel to Mass Strategies are, are going to be doing a lot of cool things in, here in the future and hope uh, we can get more uh, eyeballs and buzz around it. And obviously it doesn't help when your football team is is going to be top 25 here and the basketball team is, is, is coming off of a uh, pretty historic year. So uh, it should be very exciting. Dan, same thing for you. Anything else you want to get across there or, or add? Anything to be on the lookout for upcoming? Yeah, I think, you know, like Clark said, I mean, you have fans have more access to student athletes than ever before. And there's so many different platforms to do that. And and fortunately for us, and we've got a great partnership with FanJolt to be able to bring that access directly to fans wherever they are. And so it'll be fun to do some new things, like Clark said, uh, this national championship second half. That's something I'm be sitting in the room for because I want to hear what these guys are talking about down 15 coming out. We've heard the stories, but it'll be a pretty cool experience for the individuals that do bid and, and win that to, to have uh, really that inside access. So, you know, um, like I mentioned, uh, www.massstrategies.com. That's where, you know, we need help in uh, really providing that monthly financial support, whether it's again, $10, $200. It doesn't matter. Uh, we can use that fan support that goes directly to the student athletes uh, to be able to do partnerships like this with FanJolt. And uh, it's just, it's crucial. And that's, that's the way that things are going. And, and uh, we're excited about the future though. Well, guys, I appreciate it. Once again, Clark Cummings from FanJolt, Dan Beckler from Mass Strategies. Appreciate the time. And uh, maybe we'll be chatting down the road if there's some other cool stuff coming up. So thank you again. Thanks, Thanks Derek. Thanks, Derek. All right, two hours down, one to go. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Just a reminder that the Prime House Direct gigantic truckload event is going on right now through Saturday, 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day in the parking lot of Menards in Topeka at 6401 Southwest 17th Street. You can stop on by, get 20 ribeyes for $39.99, get a quarter cow, get a half cow. You can get one of the buy one, get two free bundles. So stop by with the Prime House Direct gigantic truckload event going down right now in Menards in Topeka till 7 p.m. tonight and 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. tomorrow and Saturday. Joined now by Michael Swain of 24-7 Sports and Fog.net. KU takes on Iowa State on Saturday. You can hear it right here on KLWN. You obviously got to cover Iowa State for a little bit, uh, so I, I figure you're probably about as good of uh, getting to know both sides of this as anyone. Uh, what do you think, Michael, is, is going to be the biggest challenge for the Jayhawks in this game and, and how much of uh, – uh, I guess the KU offense that's been so elite this season, do you think that can continue against a really good Iowa State defense? Yeah, I think you hit it. I think that is kind of the biggest matchup in this game because I think offensively, Iowa State is fine. And defensively, I think we know what KU is, right? They're going to last some points. They're going to get a couple stops, and we'll see if it's enough to win the game. But I think a lot of what KU ceiling relies on this this game and this season is how well the offense plays. And 
this is just a different defense than they've played so far this season, right? They've played some three-man fronts, but it's different when you have only three linebackers instead of four. And the way that Iowa State formats things, it's just very challenging. And I'm so interested to see how they do with the option game against this type of team because in years past, Iowa State has really, really struggled with teams that do the option or have mobile quarterbacks. Spencer Sanders has killed Iowa State for three, four years now because of his mobility. And I think that Jalen Daniels can give Iowa State some fits there, but it's just a question of how well do those option plays work. And listening to Andy Kornacki talk yesterday, I thought it was fascinating. He talked about how in spring practice and in fall camp, they had days and sessions of practice where they worked against this kind of 3-3-5 defense. And it makes sense too, right? Kansas State runs it too, and I think more Big 12 teams are kind of adopting this style of defense. And I think Brent Venables at Oklahoma does it as well. So it makes sense that you would spend some time against specific defenses like this. But this is the first challenge that you've had to go against it. And I'm really high on John Haycock, the defensive coordinator for Iowa State. I think he's incredibly smart. I think what you'll see on Saturday is he's going to get off to a good start offensively because what Haycock does sometimes is they start very base and then second quarter about there, he'll make some tweaks. And then at halftime, they'll kind of overhaul things and change a lot of different intricacies of the defense. And then the second half, they come out and dominate. That's why Iowa State is always such a good second-half team is because their defense really hones in on the second half. So I think for me, the scoring total in the second half is going to be one of the keys to the game. Can KU get three scores in the second half? Because I feel pretty confident saying they're going to get three in the first half. And if you get three in the second half, all of a sudden we're talking about 40 points and can Iowa State offense match that? Well, I guess that, that leads me into this next question then. If I did tell you that KU keeps Iowa State to 28 points from their offensive side of the ball, what percentage would you put on KU winning the game? Probably 70, 75%. I think that if Iowa State doesn't score 30, that's a really good recipe for KU. Just because I think at this point with this offense, again, they've gone against defenses that are really good in the front seven not really great in the secondary. I think this is the best secondary KU's going to go against so far this season. But I think at this point, you could say KU's going to walk off the bus and score 28 to 30 and or more. And I think that if you're able to hold Iowa State to kind of four touchdowns, I think you feel pretty good about it because I just think that this offense is so high-powered that even if Iowa State gets some stops or maybe they do force a turnover, I just think the offense is going to have the ability to bounce back and continue to score. Do you take into account anything that's happened in this series in the past? Because on one hand, we have the 2019 meeting that was a near upset in Ames for KU, and maybe that was uh, them showing that, hey, if you do have explosiveness on the outside, you can score a bit on this defense. But also in the other meetings Mm -hmm. since 2017, if you take that one out, I think the average score is like Iowa State 46-8, to and obviously we remember last year, so like, Do you take into account anything that's happened in this past series, or is this one just completely different? I think it is completely different because you look at those past teams for Iowa State, and continuity was the big thing that Iowa State has always had going for it. I've written about this a little bit on the website, but basically, you know, Matt Campbell and Iowa State is a program that Lance Leipold and KU want to emulate because Iowa State just had its best start to a season since 2013, and they just lost a first-round running back, a quarterback that's now second on the depth chart with 49ers, and a ton on defense, and yet they're still winning. And I think in years past, that continuity has been there for Iowa State, where this year, I think you look at the Iowa State team and say, okay, there's a lot of new pieces, and this is a 
another road test for them against a Big 12 opponent. And, yeah, they played Iowa on the road, but Iowa's offense is atrocious, and they haven't played a road game against an offense like this yet. And so I don't think you can take into account a lot of the past years because I think this season the continuity is on KU's side, right? They barely lost anything from last year's team, and I really don't even look at last year's game as as much of anything because I think as we learned as the season progressed, they were outmatched physically. I think they're outmatched scheme-wise, right? They didn't have a full offseason to implement things. And in general, I just don't take into account much of what happened last year at all. I think it's just hard to put much stock into it outside kind of the last three games when the coaches finally had enough time to kind of get stuff installed. So I think, you know, it's a cliche, you throw the record book out, but I really think you have to in this sort of game and really just going on for the rest of the season because last year really just doesn't matter and it's not really a good frame of reference either. I keep referencing how great Matt Campbell has been in October, but I can never remember like the exact <laughs> stats or whatnot. Uh, I, I guess what went into that, and is that like is that clearly a thing that gets talked about a lot in Iowa State and, and how good he has been in the month of October? One hundred percent, and they they called it Brocktober for a reason. That's right. um, it's usually when Brock Brock Purdy started to come alive, and slow starts have been the issue for Iowa State under Matt Campbell. They really have struggled to get off to a good start in a season. And I think looking at this from an Iowa State perspective, that's why I think their fans are so excited about the start to the season that they had because they got the big one over Iowa, because they started without having kind of that September lull that you see. And so for me, I think it's very interesting because usually what happened is they struggled in September and they really started to figure it out kind of late September, early October to where they were a really tough team to beat. Well, if they didn't have that, slow start to the season, it's kind of a question of, okay, well, what areas for improvement are there? I think you look at the offense for Iowa State, that can get better. But I just, I think it's just a question of in years past, they've been so bad in September that I think when they play well in October, it makes it look so much better because the sample size before that was pretty poor. And I think it's just a question of the team getting more acclimated to the season, right? The players getting used to the, the Haycock defense because each year he does tweak things. So, I think it's a a pretty nuanced thing, but I think the quarterback and the slow starts to September really contributed to that. We're talking with Michael Swain of Fog.net and 24-7 Sports. From the local recruiting aspect, and and I guess just recruiting as a whole, with KU starting 4-0, there were so many kids who were in town for the game last week. How impactful has this start been for KU, both in terms of uh, just overall recruiting and from the local scene? I mean, it's huge. It's huge. You can't understate that, right? What have we talked about a lot with the local recruiting stuff, Derek, right? It's all about perception and it's all about winning games. And KU has not been really good in either one of those things recently. And then all of a sudden this season, they have the perception of a very well-established team, a well-established culture. The players are playing together and high school recruits see that. What they also see is them winning games. And what they also see is, I reference this on our podcast uh, after the Houston game, but weekends like that, where KU goes on the road and beats Houston and Kansas State falls short against Tulane at home, weekends like that are big for a perception of a program and the feel around a program as well. Now, obviously, Kansas State's win over Oklahoma will maybe put things right on the back on the right track for them, but from KU's perspective, it helps a ton because now these kids, these local recruits, are seeing some of the stuff that was hinted at when they first started getting recruited by KU where it's, hey, we're headed in the right direction, we're building something here, 
and the recruits kind of say, yeah, okay, we hear that, but like, let's see some results. And now you're seeing some results early on. And I think it's going to pay dividends. I think in the class of 2024, 2023 is probably a little too late to make a huge swing with the in-state kids, but I still think it's having a massive impact in terms of getting kids to want to come and see Kansas. That's a huge part of this because in years past, what's been there to come see a half empty stadium and some awful football. No, right now it's a fun product to watch. Kids want to go see a fun product. And that's why I think you're seeing so many guys come and when they come, they're having a good experience. Like we've kind of recounted on, on the website. Uh, over to basketball, I mean, it feels like this has become a footnote almost, at least from our end here. It's just been so football-focused, which is a little different uh, once we're almost to October. But KU did land a four-star last weekend in Jamari McDowell. Mm-hmm. What do you see him bringing to the table for KU? Yeah, I think this kind of class for KU is so interesting because you've seen them go and get kind of two kind of off-ball combo guards and Chris Johnson and Jamari McDowell. I think the next piece is going to be kind of a, a ball-handling guard. And McDowell's kind of an off-the-ball um, player, had a really, really good summer. He's one of these guys that you look at the ranking and ratings when he's offered by Kansas, and then by the time we update the rankings, he shoots up, and you see what Kansas saw in him, which is he, he's a guy that's athletic. He's long. He can score the basketball. He can play on defense. He's kind of an all-around type of players so I think you look at him with Chris Johnson it's a really good start to the class for KU and I think now you're really just looking for one more piece to kind of fit that puzzle and you're looking at a really strong start because you look at the big men KU has and it's not it's hard not to get super excited about a front court of you know Zach Clements Ernest Duday and Zuby Edgio for in terms of long-term potential at Kansas. As far as the the recruiting class for 2023 goes I know it's a little difficult because you're you're trying to I mean technically they're one over scholarships then but you know certain players are going to leave or whatnot and there's going to be guys who transfer um, but both guys that they have committed are top 100 guys neither is in that like top 20 25 range where it's like oh they're a clear-cut mm-hmm. McDonald's All-American do you see that coming for KU down the line here or is that kind of uh, something that it's still with the NCAA case hanging over their head might be a little tougher to do at least this year Nah, I don't think the NCAA case has anything to do with it. I think for Bill Self, he's found his groove. He's won a national title with guys that were outside, really the, the top 25. And I think for him, he has seen the success. And he's talked about this pretty openly, I feel like, too, in some of his press conferences and just, you know, in some of that those settings where he sees that for his type of program to have success, guys have to be in it for two, three years, right? He's not going to go win a national title with a bunch of one and dones like a Duke can, right? Where they were able to coach the team a certain way. The way that Bill coaches his team is very intricate, right? And it's going to take time for guys to adapt. And so what you need to get is guys that aren't looking to come in and leave immediately. And so I think, you know, self has kind of found the, the bread and butter, so to speak, for what maybe this next phase of Kansas basketball under him will look like, where it's not going to be a ton of Josh Jacksons and Andrew Wiggins. There will be one-offs, right, where you get a guy like that. Sure, you'll take him. But it's going to be a lot of these guys that, hey, maybe it's two and done, or maybe it's three and done, but not a lot of these guys that are in, in Lawrence for nine months and then leave to go to the NBA. I think that's where he's going to try and shift and pivot, and I think it has more to do with conscious decision on his part of how he's going to build a successful program long term rather than maybe the impact of the NCAA because I think as we've seen with this most recent recruiting class, it doesn't really mean much, right? These guys all committed before they won the title, so it's not like that impacted things. But 
I just don't really think at this point the NCAA case has much validity because also look what happened to Memphis, right? They really didn't want to impact the current players. So why is that going to discourage a class of 2024 guy, class of 2023 guy from going to Kansas when the precedent has already been shown that the NCAA is not really going to go after and try and punish the current players? We're talking with Michael Swain of Fog.net here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. All right, I got some either-ors to finish off for you. The, the, the oh best part of the segment. Oh, boy, is we, what we hear Michael say. Uh, KU wins <laughs> on Saturday, or KU sweeps Iowa State in hoops this year? I think KU wins on Saturday. I think that there's probably a better chance than that. I think Iowa State would be fine in basketball this year, but I think you're just running your luck because, A, you got to go to Hilton, and you don't know how guys are going to respond to that. And, B, you might play them in Kansas City, which, again, you don't know how that game's going to go because those Kansas City games at the Iowa State can get weird with the Iowa State crowd, too. So I'll take Iowa, or I'll take KU football this weekend. I think that's the right call because if you even if you said they have a 70% chance to win both in basketball, that would be 49% to, I don't know, win both, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's about even. Um, okay, more touchdowns by Jalen Daniels this season or three-point makes by MJ Rice. Ooh, that's a really good one. I'm trying to do my math in my head right here. Um, so Daniel's JD's right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's at 15. He'd, he'd be on pace for 45, but that's also if the pace oh. continues. Wow. Yeah, 45 is a lot. Um, I mean, even if he does 35, 30, 35 total touchdowns, I'm thinking about MJ Rice. I'm like, he shoots 33%, and he's going to shoot over 100 threes over the course of the season. I just I don't see him averaging three three-point shots a game. Um, so, yeah, I'll take Jalen there. More years on Aaron Judge's future contract with the San Francisco Giants or KU football wins this season? <laughs> KU football wins. I could not care less about Aaron Judge. Wow. <laughs> you don't think he's going to the Giants, though? No, I have no clue. Is that a thing? I've just totally not paid attention to baseball. That's just, yeah, I, I can't bring myself to care. <laughs> I'm disappointed in your, your Bay Area-ism here because, yes, it is very much a thing. Barry Bonds just came oh. out and was like, he needs to play here, stuff like that. There's increasing uh, pressure being put on by the fan base to, to spend big money on someone. I mean, that's the talk. It's 10 years for Aaron Judge. I don't think it's actually going to happen. I think KU is the better bet there because you at least know they at least have one. But, yeah, that's that's uh, something that I, I wow. guess that I'm glad to make you aware of. Well, that'd be exciting if it happens, but it also means are spending money, which isn't going to happen. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem right now. Uh, he is Michael Swain. You can check out all his work, Fog.net, 24-7 Sports. Make sure to subscribe to Fog.net. Michael, appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks for having me on. That was Michael Swain of Fog.net, 24-7 Sports, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thank you to Michael for coming on the show. Reminder that coming up after the show tonight, we've got High School Sports Weekly. We're going to be joined by the Baldwin High School Volleyball Team at Burgers by Big. So stop on by, whether you do tonight, whether you do later, tell them KLWN sent you. You'll be glad you did with all their great burger creations, hand-cut fries. They have ice cream nachos, all sorts of great shakes and everything. That's a Burger by Biggs at the corner of Bob Billings and Wakarusa. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. Jared Casey spoke with the media earlier this week. We'll get to that on the other side.